Hello and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we are talking about Ex Machina, the 2014 sci-fi thriller written and directed by Alex Garland. That name might sound familiar to you. Um, what else has Garland done? Uh, he has done, he's the writer of 28 Days Later. I don't remember if he's 28 Weeks Later also. Uh, and has also created the TV show Devs. And recently di- wrote and directed the psychological horror film Men. I'm yeah, not, forgetting so- something he's done too. Oh yeah, he also, I think he's the writer for Never Let Me Go. I think that's the movie. Okay. Whatever it is, uh, uh, it's a good one. I just can't remember the name of it. Uh, and, early Andrew Garfield. It's got Kira Knightley and Carrie Mulligan in it. It's pretty um, good. Super talented guy, though. He, yes. He's the kind of director where I am always so very excited to see what he's going to do next. Um, his next film is called Civil War, and it stars Kirsten Dunst, and that is all I know about it. And that's enough. Okay. I mean, it's now, him having another film is enough for me. I have not watched Devs yet, but I've heard it's excellent. Kira Knightley, big no for me. No, well, she's not in. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst. I mean, big yes for me. Uh, bring that melancholia energy any day, and I'm in. I suppose. Bring I'm that Mary board. J. Watson energy, where she's like, no. "I'm going to audition." <laughs> I'm an actress. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about your history with Ex Machina. So I, I should have double checked this uh, with Jason uh, Beckman, who was our, our guest uh, in the Hollow Knight episode, um, but I. I believe I so I saw this first with him. We went to go see it at AMC River East in Chicago and the projector went out in the middle of the screening. Oh, and we had to like we got like we left, um, but not left the theater. And I think they gave us vouchers for a free movie, but then they got the projector working. And then we went back in and we watched it. And I also I I think Oscar Isaac was there. I can't remember. I might be confusing a time where Oscar Isaac was in the theater when I saw Inside Lewin Davis, which actually might have been the time. I, okay, now that I say it out loud, that is when I saw Oscar Isaac. He did a Q&A after I saw Inside Lewin Davis, not after the screening of Ex Machina. But um, really, like Ex Machina immediately what became one of my favorite movies in recent memory, uh, well, back in 2014. I bought it on Blu-ray. I've watched it many, many times since. I, I feel like this movie is not like in t- incredibly complicated. It's not like unbelievably groundbreaking, but it's so well written, acted, directed. We'll get into it. And it kind of effortlessly made its way into like my favorite films of the last 25 years. How about you? I, th- I think part of what warrants that status for it is it's the kind of movie where once I was done watching it, I wanted to immediately rewatch it from the beginning. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and it's the kind of film like, say, Mulholland Drive or Hereditary, where you notice more and more the more you watch it, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen this movie. I knew it by reputation only. Oh, um, I did not yeah. know that. The, so here's the surprise. I had never seen Ex Machina before. I love that kind because of, the way you responded when I proposed doing it, I for some reason, I just you're like, I'd love to do it. I, and, and you just said nothing else. I, I love I appreciate you get, keeping that a surprise for me. I, I find that to be, uh, I'm really excited. I mean, I wasn't yeah. already excited, but now I'm even more excited. I knew I, I knew the plot uh, somewhat. I did not know where it was going to go. Uh, so I was very excited. And I love Oscar Isaacs. I think Oscar Isaac or Isaacs? Isaac. Isaac. One I love Isaac. Oscar, I, just singular Isaac. Two first I love, names. 
I love the singular Isaac. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal actor. One of the best actors uh, working today. Yes. Um, Domino mm. or Domino? Domino? I'm going to call him Dom, Dominal Gleason. Um, <laughs> I've only seen him in, you know, Star Wars and Harry Potter, but wow, I did not expect the chops he had uh, were, in this film. Were you thinking about his brief interaction with um, with Oscar Isaac at the beginning of Last Jedi when he when Oscar Isaac's like, uh, paging general hugs yeah um (laughs) no i didn't think about that all even though uh rise of skywalker is my favorite star wars film check out last week's podcast on star Mm. wars films um but (laughs) yeah i I love this movie i I, i'm just gonna say it right up front i loved it uh it kept me on the edge of my seat it kept me guessing and like i said afterwards i wanted to watch it immediately again oh that's incredible i'm so happy to that's like for some reason that makes me so much happier than if you had been like yeah i've seen it like 20 times and i love it like this it's even better to me that you loved it as much the first time well and throughout our discussion we can talk about since you've seen the movie so many times kind of your you know your uh take on things and then i'll give you mine as kind of a first time viewer yeah and it's and now that you say that i think because i've seen it so many times there might actually be things that I've I've I have maybe noticed when I first saw it and have now just overlooked. And so, like, if you have questions or you want to pick my brain about a certain part that I might not stop and pause at to digest, please do so. I'd be curious to see if you have like some if you can inspire some thinking that I might have either not thought of before or it's been a long time since I thought of that. So that that's what I do. Inspire thinking. Good. <laughs> good. Very good. Um, so. Again, as you mentioned, this was written directed by Alex Garland. He was inspired by various sci-fi films and writings, as well as uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest, which I have not read. Have you read The Tempest? I have read The Tempest. Um, a lot of things are based off The Tempest. Um, <laughs> just like Hamlet. Just like Hamlet. Uh, I'm trying to think of, there's a very famous one that's based off The Tempest. Uh, oh, Forbidden Planet is based off The Tempest Oh, okay. Well. Did, yeah. you, did you get some very obvious Tempest vibes from this movie or no? No, because the Tempest has uh, like a wide range of characters. Um, I think they might compare it to the Tempest because it's in an isolated setting. And also in the Tempest, there's like kind of a wizard character who mm-hmm. kind of knows things that are going on and kind of has powers. Um, and then there's like hapless sea wreck victims who are also involved. Um, I-, I can kind of see a few, um, but it's definitely not a one to one. Okay. Um So Garland wanted to make a movie about consciousness, human consciousness, machine consciousness, about computers, machines, and artificial intelligence. And boy, did he. Yeah. Um, He wanted uh, complete creative freedom. So he tried to make the movie as on small of a budget as he could, which was $15 million, which. Which is insane to me. Yeah. The movie does not look like a $15 million movie. I, I just. One, it will get into it in more detail, but one of the most effective, incredible things about this movie is its setting and yeah. how intimate it feels. And to 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 blow out the scope of the movie would have been such a mistake. Um, I agree. Yeah. So th- this movie was shot as live action as much or maybe entirely. Uh, and all visual effects were done in post. There were no special effects or green screen used while filming. That was something I read on Wikipedia that I'm not. That sounds unbelievable to me, uh, but at the same time, I have watched a couple making of things before, and it sure looks like, you know, it was done very practically. Um, well, for, for $15 million, I mean, it would kind of have to be. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and the character of Ava, who we'll get into, I mean, her her body was, it, it looked like, 
how does she not just like in it just a like green screen bodysuit <laughs> um with, with the exception of her face but it turns out it was just a very well-made costume and i encourage you to look at any if you haven't already look at some youtube videos that show some behind the scenes stuff uh that shows her costume like getting into costume it's pretty incredible or just i mean google ava and just yeah, look right. at kind of her design overall um she it's it's phenomenal yeah the uh, the movie was really highly praised for its acting, writing, visual effects. It was nominated for I think just two Oscars in original screenplay and best visual effects. It won visual effects, which hell yeah! I remember being so overjoyed when it was nominated. I didn't. This doesn't seem like an Oscar movie to me. Um, the visual Oscar effects Isaac. thing made yeah. The visual effects thing made sense to me, but the original screenplay nomination was a shock, and I'm I'm, I'm thrilled about it. But I just could not believe that it that it snuck its way in there. Maybe 2014 was a weak year for movies. Again, not to insult this movie, I'm just really shocked. This doesn't seem like the type of movie the Oscars would um, nominate back then. So yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Um, this movie is a, primarily focused on really just like three characters, um, the first two of which I'll, we'll get into now. So we have Caleb Smith, who's played by Dominominominal Gleason, who is a programmer at a fictional search engine company, Blue Book, fictional in our real world, not fictional <laughs> in the movie. Um, um, also, it's really this first scene happens very quickly and kind of it's not fully clear what's happening yeah. until we get to the next scene sets the stage really well, though. It's very ominous. Um, and so it, so we have this like psych, like no dialogue, kind of tense music. And it, it, it's it's of Caleb kind of working at the office and finding out that he won a contest that was held in the office for a week long visit to the to visit well i guess it doesn't it's not as explicit um i think all you know is like he's like i won and you don't know exactly what he won right yeah i think in those first moments but so and he's just like thrilled but most importantly right off the bat there are these pov shots from his his webcam mounted on his computer and his phone's camera kind of with like facial landmark for like you know uh face you know featured face mapping and um you know, like eye tra- tracking and things like that. So r- immediately it's like, okay, works at a search engine company and, you know, big data will collect, uh, you know, it, the likes of Google and everybody collecting data on us and watching us at all times. The kind of thing that we all still fear. Yeah. Um, and the kind of thing that's still happening. Um, but yeah, it seems very quick, great at establishing all this. And so we kind of like find out through the course of the next, like, what 10 minutes and I'll just I'll just say it now. So he is won a contest to for a week-long visit to the isolated home of Blue Book CEO Nathan Bateman. Uh Caleb Smith. Smith, very uh generic last name. For some reason I, it works here. Normally I'd be like, Smith, really? You couldn't do better than that. But I actually think it works really well, maybe in hindsight, for a character like Caleb. I like imagining that Nathan Bateman is related to actor Jason Bateman. Or maybe fictional character Patrick Bateman. Or perhaps more likely Patrick Bateman. More likely. <laughs> so we immediately cut to a helicopter flying Caleb over this snowy mountainous landscape. And man, does it already feel like super remote. And eventually kind of it go, you end up on this like green, for, more foresty landscape kind of nested between the mountains. It's not clear where we are. And I think that's intentional and also awesome. Here's something I noticed as the as the helicopter landed and the landscape here. 
this is some, this is what I texted you. I'm like, this is the time, first time I've ever thought of this. And I, I, I can't, I was like, so intrigued by it. Jurassic park vibes. Oh, another movie about somebody playing God. Yeah. Do you think that yeah. was intentional or was just that, is that coincidence? I just, I just don't know. Well, we'll get, no, I think it's intentional because we'll get to it later uh, when we talk about the end of the film, but there is a helicopter kind of escape. Yeah. And, and it echoes uh, the helicopter escape in Jurassic Park where they see the dinosaurs flying away from the island. Right. So the dinosaurs are kind of escaping their creator's prison, which we'll get to it, but that's that's definitely going on. as Like, well. obviously, Alex Garland's seen Jurassic Park, and my guess is he's read Michael Crichton, so, you know. He's, he kind of writes along the same like vein as like Michael Crichton books. And so, yeah, it's got to be intentional, but I, I, I just can't. I can't. It's one of those. It's like really the main thing I noticed this time that I never noticed before. Um, So Caleb is, you know, he's dressed to impress. He's he's got a suit on, but no tie, but he's dressed kind of like you'd expect a computer programmer who lives in a small apartment to uh, to uh, to dress. Well, and also who's won this crazy prize and is going to meet essentially his boss, like his big, big boss. Yeah. And there's some good dialogue while they're flying, but actually before they land, um, he's like, you know, so how far until the estate? And the, the pilot's like, we've been flying over his estate for the past two hours, which are you fucking kidding me? There's no way nobody that rich can own that much land. If, I mean, if by helicopter for two hours of flying, there's no way. Well, and it implies that, like, they've been flying for maybe four or five hours, which is like, why do they have to be that far away? Yeah. But at least at least two of those hours are over his estate. Yeah. Um, so so they they land in the pilots like this is as close as I'm allowed to get again, kind of just like really building the mystique around wherever Caleb is headed. And so, like I like we mentioned, it's it's really good at establishing the isolation of the setting of this movie. And so Caleb kind of starts making his way through the forest. He finds he's got no service on his phone. There's this kind of funny moment where he approaches the, with the front door again, the the compound is beautiful as we'll get to uh, describing it, but like his, his approach to it and the front door that he enters is very not like fancy. It's kind of like a back door almost. It is, but um, it's kind of telling that even from like the first instance of walking up, uh, everything is kind of digitized. Everything yes. is uh, mechanized here. Even getting in and out of doors, you have to engage with some kind of technology. You can't just open it. Yes. And the movie's very good at describing how things work, but not over explaining it. Yes. And so like there's a there's a funny moment where he has to take a picture of himself um, to get his key card. And the flash is so sudden and so bright that, it you know, he, his face looks ridiculous on his key card. And his key card is like steel. Yeah. Which like, come on, it's just so excessive yeah. um, in a good way. So. All right. Let's talk about Nathan's home because because Caleb enters it and he kind of starts walking through until he finds Nathan and. And so, well, we get a we get a shot of it. Uh, yeah, a wide shot. Um, tell us what it, what it looks like. Well, so the, I mean, the first room that he enters, so it's it's kind of this like, it's not like a mansion, but it's clearly expansive, and we don't always get a full grasp of how big it is because we only see about like four truly like distinct locations in it. Um. It's kind of it's a little difficult to get our bearings and maybe that's intentional, but it's not so it's not like totally maze like I don't think it's like so intentional to to really disorient you. But um, 
it's kind of it's a very modern like mix of like the the aesthetic is like very like separated from nature but also like integrated into it like it's the 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 home is nestled into the landscape quite literally like there are these beautiful looking like uneven rocky walls like very natural forming rocky walls that this compound was clearly built up against it's there's glass everywhere so you can see the, the surrounding forest and as you kind of as caleb eventually comes across there's kind of like a like a little like it's kind of like this little valley where this like little this river or stream in the distance and like you know there's a balcony that overlooks all of that um but parts of it very much look like a like a bunker which yeah. is super um I'm not, I'm not claustrophobic and it's not like it's that enclosed but the lack of windows which we'll get into is like very ominous and a little um uncomfortable and I, I think you're supposed to see the house that way. You're supposed to see it as very cool and modern, but there's something off about it. Yeah. Um, like it looks a little too militaristic as we get to, there are no windows in certain rooms. Um, it's not just a house as we will find out. Yeah. I like your, I, I, I read your, your note on the bunker. I, I, I had not thought of that. And that's a, that's a really good observation. I, I, yeah, especially with the way you said it's nestled into the hillside, the way the way a military installation would be, you know, you're not going to clear the forest to build a house on level plane if you're just you would if you're just building a big mansion because you're a rich guy. <laughs> um, but doing it this way kind of implies secrecy, kind of implies almost militarism. Yeah. So Caleb is walking through the house. He's admiring it a little bit. And he eventually comes to that balcony. I mentioned that's overlooking this like river valley and nestled between two mountains. And and there we see Nathan Bateman who is working out because he's punching a, a punching bag. So Nathan is, I think he's, he's like tank top wearing bald, thick, thick beard and glasses. I, I love his look. I think he's wearing glasses. I, but I yeah, love, yeah. I love the look of this character. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on what I love so much about it. Um, I, I like the juxtaposition between, you know, he's obviously genius and an intellectual, but that he also is um, down to earth in some ways. Yeah. Um, you know, literally with what he wears and what he does with a boxing or punching bag. Um, and then he's got this vice. He drinks too much. Yeah. And, and I can't put my finger on why really, but my heart tells me that if, if it was all the exact same performance, but Oscar Isaac was clean shaven the entire time with like a, you know, thick haircut, it wouldn't have worked as well. The movie just doesn't work as well for some reason. I'm not as off put by the character as you're supposed to be. No. And again, just thinking out loud, I think it goes towards um, like, if we're thinking about this house as like a bunker designed or a safe almost to keep something in, um, him staying in peak physical condition and having a shaved head almost plays into that idea. Yeah. Um, like he is a soldier stationed here um, as well, you know, for reasons we'll find out. Yeah. And there's a little bit of awkward dialogue as they meet. Uh, Nathan kind of acknowledges it. Uh, and, and you mentioned Nathan's got his vice. He just he's a drinker. Nathan, like almost immediately mentions how he's got the mother of all hangovers. And Caleb's like, so how was the party? And then he realizes like where they are. And he's like, you know, there was no party. The um, other thing, too. Yeah. If you've ever been hungover, were you able to work out to the level that uh, Oscar Isaac works out here? I have forced myself to do it before, and it is so difficult, but it actually does make you feel really good. The hard part is getting yourself to get through it I, <laughs> and yeah, to do it longer than like five minutes. 
but it, I, I don't do that anymore. Then again, I also try not to be hungover anymore. Um, well, maybe we should talk about their dynamic a little bit. It evolves a, like slightly, but I think a good tease into their dynamic is Nathan kind of always holds Caleb at an arm's length. He's always, and it's, it's interesting because these are two smart characters who are both very condescending to each other in subtle and sometimes subtle and sometimes very overt ways, which is fascinating to me. And also probably a good emulation of what Silicon Valley, your stereotypical Silicon Valley genius is like. Yeah. I think there's also immediately for many reasons, a power dynamic between them that puts Oscar Isaac at the top. Obviously he's his boss. Um, But even more than that, Oscar Isaac, as we'll find out, knows everything about Caleb. Caleb really doesn't know anything about Oscar Isaac. Yes. But, and, but, and part of like the, the arrogance of Caleb is that he, he's trying really hard to impress, but he also seems to genuinely think he knows more of what's going on than he actually does. And he seems very uncomfortable in not knowing. Yes. Which is just, and it's, I think a lot of that comes through in Domino Gleason's, uh, Domino, I don't know. Uh, Gleason's performance. I can think a lot. Him, can we call him Deagley? Deagley, sure. Or Dami. Dami. Um, but yeah, I, I really think a lot of this comes through in the performance, and I, I'm sure the direction has a lot to do with it as well. But it, it's it can't. It's 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 really really excellent. I, I I'm always impressed with it. I, I could see somebody watching this movie and kind of taking both of the performances for granted and just seeing this as just kind of like your heightened sci-fi thriller you know but i i I truly think it's more than that i think this is as 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 well received as it is i i I think so many elements of this movie are underrated yeah i agree and i think if i I, speaking of performances i feel like if you had the chemistry between deagley and oscar isaac is i think sublime in terms of how they bounce off of each other most often how they bounce off of each other and kind of disagree um yeah where i think if you cast different people in either of these roles let alone take off nathan's beard uh i, I just don't think it would work truly and it is we'll talk about in a second it, it's a trio of incredible performances yes we have not gotten to the the yeah. triforce of power yet. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I wonder who's who yeah, um, because they all kind of seem like they're vying for power. Well, and actually not. All right. Caleb or information Nathan are. Yeah. Uh, so Nathan starts showing Caleb around. Uh, he takes him more to that underground windowless area and shows Caleb his bedroom. He kind of explains that Caleb's key card will open some doors, but not others. That it becomes very relevant later. And, you know, Nathan acknowledges the weirdness of how the bedroom is no windows. And he says it's the house it's because the house is more of a research facility than it is a home. And he's, you know, notes buried in these walls is enough fiber optic, optic cable to reach the moon and lasso it. A very, uh, <laughs> I like that line. It's one of many good lines. And Nathan immediately is like, I'm so excited to show you what I've been doing, but I need you to sign an NDA. And it comes very clear to Caleb immediately and to us, even if you've never seen an NDA before, that it is not your standard NDA. And which Nathan acknowledges. And, you know, it mentions, I think I caught that it, it, mentions that all of Caleb's data and across all of his devices can be audited at like any time to see if he's, you know, telling people about what he's going to see. And Nathan very much pressures Caleb into signing it, 
um, just using FOMO. Um, you say, look, man, like you can, uh, you can not sign it and we can just hang out and get drunk all week, or you can sign it and you could be the witness to something that's going to change the world. So obviously yeah. Caleb signs it. But it's part of his manipulation that he waits until he's all the, all the way out there to sign the NDA because he could have just signed the NDA before he came on the trip but yep. by bring, or disagreed with the NDA. But by bringing him all the way out here, he kind of forces the issue uh, and, like you said, strong arms him into it. Yeah. And so the one, once he, he does sign it and once he signs it, what does Nathan tell him? Um, well, that Caleb is here to perform the Turing test on an AI that Nathan has created. So the Turing test essentially is when a person forgets that they're interacting with an AI, that the AI is so uh, thorough and complete that it actually is able to mimic a human being. Yes. Um, so that's a pretty significant project. Um, and Caleb says that if it's true, that if Nathan has really created an AI, then it's not the greatest creation in the history of mankind, which Nathan says it is, um, but in the history of gods. Which uh, obviously some nice ego stroking going on there. Yeah, which Nathan yeah. is certainly not averse to. Yeah. Um, so after that, we uh, we get our first session with Ava. Yeah, and the, and each of these sessions, there's a, like a title card to it. It's like Ava colon session one, and yes. it's, you know Ava colon session two, etc. And I, I think it's a it's a cool way of of breaking up the movie, um, especially yeah. the way it's used at the end, the way it pays off. Tell us about Ava session one. So. This is this session is a lot about establishing where Ava is kept. I think I choose that word carefully, but I won't yeah. elaborate it on it yet. Yeah. Um, we see this. Well, so first we see this shot, this huge wall in Caleb's office with just tons of post-it notes on it. And Caleb is on his computer watching a live feed of Caleb entering a room or sorry. Oh, Nathan is on his computer watching the live feed of Caleb entering a room where Caleb then meets Ava Ava is played by Alicia Vikander, who I don't think I had ever seen before, before this movie. And I think like, I mean, I had seen Donald Gleason and I, I forgot what it was. Maybe I can't remember what it was. Oscar Isaac, I think I had seen in Drive and Sucker Punch. <laughs> oh. uh, Alicia Vikander, I do not think I had seen her before. So I was immediately, I, I love that it was an actress I did not recognize at the time. Um, for a first time viewing experience. And so Caleb is in this like a, a subsection of a room where he's it's an observation room. So there's glass surrounding him. He can't, you know, go and actually like physically interact with Ava. Um, and one before you go on one yeah. small detail is that there is a crack in the glass. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I almost forgot about that. And that is important. We'll find out what that's from later. And. So Ava, kind of in the distance, Ava has like her own room. There's like a chair next to a desk. There's a closet. There's like another chair in the corner. And then there's this glass window that is like there's a there's there's an outside where there's like this enclosed in like concrete walls. There's this little tiny area with some greenery with some sunlight beaming down on it. But it's very small. It's like the only glimpse of the outside Ava gets, which is hardly qualifies as the outside um so ava approaches him and we'll, we'll talk about what she looks like because and it's, it's kind of hard to describe but she is like almost she's mostly transparent in the sense that you can see the machinery 
um, inside her. And I don't think they overdo it with the machinery. I, I think the movie's not being too showy with her look overall, while it's still very striking. And she's got, you know, human-like skin. I mean, it's it's not Uncanny Valley-like. It's It looks just like Alicia Vikander. It's very realistic human-like skin on her face, her hands, her feet, and part of her neck. And then there are opaque areas around her chest and like her waist and crotch. It almost looks like she's wearing these like gray meshy workout pants and sports bra. And she is bald. Like the back of her head is transparent. You can kind of like see her like brain, but the camera doesn't really focus too much on that. Yeah. We get a shot of what her brain must look like later and it's pretty cool looking. Yeah. And I want to mention her movement really quick, kind of throughout the whole movie. So uh, Lisa Vikander is or was a ballet dancer. And she brought a lot of that movement and like her knowledge about that to to the character of Ava's movement. And I, without me knowing anything about ballet other than having seen it before, it just suddenly it makes so, so much sense. Her movement is so is so deliberate and it's 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 dancey, but not really. It, it's it, it's it's kind of interesting to see. It's almost I don't know what the direction exactly was, but if like you know, Alex Garland told her to it's like walk, try to emulate walking like a normal person, but have a rhythm to it because you're not a human. Yeah. You're trying to be almost. You're Edgar as close I, to one as possible. Yeah. And you and I were talking after we finished the movie and we don't understand how Alicia Vikander didn't win so many awards yeah. for acting. Yeah. Um, between her physical for performance, uh, between the look of her character, and also as we'll get into, uh, just such a nuanced fine line between playing, you know, a living, breathing, conscious character, but also this this robot. Um, and I just, it's incredible. She's, I, I think she should have won yeah. something. She's outstanding, and maybe this will make you feel better. She has won an Oscar before. She won an Oscar like a year or two after this movie for, for a different role. Okay, I, well, not for this. Much less interesting than her role in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah for a movie that is forgettable, because I can't remember the name of it, and I bet a lot of people can't either, um, this movie... Yeah, she again, a trio of incredible performances. Hers is arguably the best one of the three. I, yeah, I would say it's the best. So Ava approaches. She kind of starts up, up outstanding, uh, eventually sits down. Um, and, and again, her I can't say enough about her movement, but it's very hard to articulate it. It's it's everything is so deliberate. It, it's 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 not unbelievably robotic. It's not fully human. It's just something in between that is so I feel like I just haven't seen it like something like that before. There's millions of movies with androids and all that kind of stuff. It is just it's 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 incredible when. Um, yeah, I would say generally when Ava is on the screen, Ava is the only thing you want to pay attention to. Yes. Not shit face. Uh, Caleb. <laughs> no. uh, so, you know, Caleb initiates an icebreaker conversation. He kind of, you know, he's asking her what that is uh, or she knows what that is. Um. I get the impression through this session, especially, but and also that Caleb is totally showing off for Nathan with his questioning. Yes. And, you know, he starts talking, he starts like kind of monologuing about how Lang he, you know, he thinks, you know, how did Ava learn to speak? Like he, he argues that language exists from birth and that we later develop the ability to attach words and structure to it. Very like you can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing the jerk off motion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
I mean, I just, I just had like another shoot. I just had a thought and I, I, I lost it. Um, but, yeah. I mean, essentially he's asking questions the way he thinks Nathan wants him to. Yes. Um, like you said, to impress him, it's not a genuine conversation. It's much more of an interrogation. Yes. And okay. I remember what I was going to say. So you could defend some of the way he speaks to her in all of these sessions in the sense that he is someone who is meeting an AI. How the hell are you supposed to react? And also he's, he's tasked by someone he really admires to perform this test yet somehow. And this is to me was one of the best things, if not the best thing about Caleb's performance. And one of the kind of like things that I think this movie is trying to convey is he is condescending to her even though he assumes that she's an AI that doesn't know as much as he does. I feel like it's a huge commentary on men explaining things to women and being condescending to women. It seems very intentional, but the way that he acts it and the way that he, he does it, like you can make a lot of excuses for why he could be acting that way, but it's, it's gotta be, it's so intentional and he's so Caleb is smarmy in all the right ways. He's not totally insufferable yet. (laughs) Um, you know, he's still you're almost your protagonist. But it's funny that when this scene starts, you almost kind of immediately shift your, I, you know, like I'm now Ava's the protagonist to me. Yeah. And I think kind of what makes his questioning even more condescending is her kind of attitude towards it. Like there's almost an implied eye roll from Ava. Yes. Like, oh, we're doing this. OK. Yeah. The way that she questions his questioning and the yes. things that he says, like it's it's exactly how you would almost expect a, a an AI to respond to a human interrogating it. Yet it's also kind of like, who the fuck do you think you are? Exactly. Yeah. Without there's again, a lot of that subtext. Without it being overt, as we it, it can't it can't be overstated. Like Elisa Vikander's acting as Ava is so it's reserved in all the right ways, and when she does. I don't even want to call it raising her voice. Well, when it's she, like when there's... she's more emotive. It's so deliberate and and intentional it's just such a slight edge like there's just such a slight edge to her performance that you can read so much into this movie is all about power dynamics right there is a clear power dynamic going on between ava and caleb even if you would even if none of them are aware of it but you i feel like they're both aware of it they're both aware of it but you're you don't you don't immediately think ava is aware of it at least at first because this is the first time you're meeting her and you don't really know what to expect as the audience so Ava kind of at the very end is like very abruptly, matter of factly, but calmly asks Caleb kind of interrupts him and says, are you going to come back tomorrow? And she's like, I'm very happy to hear that you will. Um, so then we get our debrief and you know, we got Caleb and Nathan. They're kind of drink casually drinking beers, talking about the first session. And <laughs> Nathan is, this is another glimpse. We get at how like kind of self-absorbed and condescending he can be in Kurt when he, when he's talking to Caleb, he's like, Caleb, you're so quotable. Like, I love that when you drop that line, because Caleb like says something about how it was like looking uh, through the looking glass, just Caleb, just fucking, I'm doing the jerk off motion again. <laughs> um, and the, you know, and then he kind of misquotes Caleb, maybe very intentionally. He's like, I remember, I liked how you called me a God before. Like, that's good. I'm going to use that in interviews. And Caleb's like, I never said that. <laughs> I mean, didn't he, though? He kind of did. Yeah. I, I get the I, I I almost at first I thought like Nathan's just like so self-absorbed, but he might just be he might be more. He might be fucking with Caleb a little bit. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a lot of this movie is kind of like these moments where I love talking about this. It's like the, each of these lines, you could argue like, what's the person's intent? And even after you've seen the movie and you know where it goes and what happens, it's still not always totally, you can make good arguments both ways for like, what are people's motivations at any given time? What do they know? And what do they not know? Yeah. It's, I almost got the impression that Nathan's like, yeah, like you called me a God. Ha ha. But seriously, I think I'm a God. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Caleb says that, you know, the Turing test actually requires the machine to be hidden from the observer. And Nathan's like, oh, well, no, we're, we're way beyond that. What we're doing is more important. And he actually says that it will make passing the test all that more impressive if you actually know that it was a machine. Yeah, which is an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, and so Caleb starts acting, asking Nathan about like the program behind Ava's AI. He starts talking about like, you know, neural networks or whatever the equivalent is. And and Nathan is just like looking like so annoyed and bored by this. And he's like, look, man, I just want to have a normal conversation with you, which actually seems very like genuine. It's not I don't think this is Nathan being a dick. It's like Nathan's like absorbed in this work and all this so much that I'm sure he probably misses normal human interaction. So he's sick of like thinking about this stuff. And so he's like, just generally, how do you feel? And Caleb's like, she's fucking amazing. And Nathan's like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So later that night, Caleb wakes up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. He grabs a remote control in his room. He turns on the screen in his room where he can look at camera footage from where Ava is, which immediately you're like, okay, Caleb or Nathan totally wanted him to do this. And he sees, you know, Ava sitting at her desk drawing. She gets up, puts her hand on some sort of console on the wall, removes it, kind of like looks at the camera and then suddenly all the power in the house goes off and like this emergency red light comes on. This alarm goes off. The footage goes out. And very notably, this power outage locks the doors and Caleb cannot exit his room, which is very important for later. The power is restored shortly thereafter. He leaves the room and walks down this long hallway where there is <laughs> there are these like these different artificial faces mounted to the wall um, kind of like starting out more machine like and then looking more human. And then the very, the last one is like superhuman looking, which is interesting. Kind of just shows like maybe the evolution of Nathan's work that he's been doing. Is it Ava's face? Um, I think you, I think it might be because later she has yeah. a moment yes. where she's looking at it. Yeah. 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 I think it is. And so Caleb enters this room and kind of grabs a phone. It's not really clear what he was, gonna do with it um and this is kind of our first like almost like cliche horror movie moment or like thriller moment where um he kind of gets this note he's not allowed to use the phone um this like computerized alert tells him that and this very suddenly sitting in the dark and surprising caleb is a very drunk and very depressed sounding nathan and he's like you know caleb's like why he's like why are you in here and caleb's like the power cut. He's like, you can't use the phone. Um, sorry about the power cuts. They've been happening lately. It's a necessary security measure to lock the doors. Um, he does not seem remotely concerned about Caleb. Drunk Nathan is very interesting. Is he's like very bipolar. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. My only question here is how does Nathan not know, or does Nathan know that Ava's responsible for the power cuts? Um, because he has feet on her 24 seven and it seems very clear that when she puts her hand to that panel, the power goes out. So I was going to say like, 
I, I was gonna say, is it a spoiler to say that like now that Ava's responsible for the power cuts? Because it's that's one of the things that I don't. It's not that I dislike it about the movie. To me, watching this for the first time, and it sounds very clear to you as well, that she was responsible for it. You see her hand yeah. go on the wall, which seems like a very deliberate motion, and then suddenly the power cut, the power outage happens. So I think you are supposed to expect immediately that it's her. Then later when it's revealed, it almost is like revealed like a twist, but it's not really a twist. No. But um, I think the bigger yeah. question is, without spoiling anything at this moment, do you think Nathan already knows or do yeah. you think he genuinely learns it later? So I'll explain. I think I'll try to remember to explain why later when the moment comes. I do not think he knows. OK, at least yeah. not now. Yeah. But then again, yeah. if he is looking at the feed, he could probably see her doing it. But there's something Nathan does later, says later that to me suggests he does not know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But he's it's worth questioning because Nathan, as we'll find out, this experiment is operating at several different levels. Yeah, and right. And we as the audience can so easily see it through Caleb's interaction with a very blatant like camera footage of her doing it. So you'd think Nathan would know. And so I'm not going to rule out the possibility that Nathan knows. So... Um, that the, the, the aforementioned scene is just great. It's Nathan yeah. looking and sounding sinister. It really kind of, the kind of, um, there's a little bit of tension throughout the whole movie, but you, there was a little bit of levity in the prior scene and it really changes through the scene at night. It kind of makes yeah. you feel like, okay, I really, I can't get too comfortable because anything could happen. Well, and you know, I spent the day with this person, but you know, later they're a completely different person than the one I met before. Yeah. yeah. Which is scary. So the next morning, Caleb's woken up by this woman entering uh, his room and bringing him food and drink. Um, Caleb comes upstairs, finds Nathan in better spirits. Uh, he's kind of lifting weights. And Caleb's like, he tells Caleb that that woman's name is Kyoko and tells him to kind of like, just look today. Just don't approach this analytically. Just let loose. Well, the other thing we should mention is that uh, first, Nathan said that at the very beginning, Nathan mentions that there are only two human beings on the property. And so as soon as I saw Kyoko, I'm like, well, we know what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, but Nathan, sure. all it's treated as a reveal later. But I believe Nathan says, like, we're the only two people, like, for miles around. And this is a situation where I think it's we are, as the audience, very we're supposed to know that she is something. But I get the feeling that Caleb isn't quite sure. No, Caleb. I don't think Caleb knows. But Oscar Isaac uh, assuages him by telling him that uh, she doesn't speak English. She doesn't know English. Um, so she won't tell their secrets. Yeah, it's interesting because and I guess I could see. I mean, Caleb's a bright guy, but he's also kind of like blinded by his own arrogance. So I could see, you know, he's seeing Ava kind of almost imprisoned in a way. And then he sees Kyoko walking around. Maybe he would th automatically assumes like, well, if Kyoko was an AI, she'd be in prison too. Exactly. Well, in a way she is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So tell us about uh, Ava session two. Cause then we just cut to that. Yeah. So uh, Ava shows Caleb a drawing, uh, but she doesn't know what she drew, but actually it's an art print from her room that Caleb notices. Mm. So the idea is she can't draw anything else because she hasn't seen anything else. Um, at least that's what I gathered from that. Yeah. Yeah. So Caleb asked her to draw what she feels like drawing. Um, she ignores that and asks him if he will be her friend. She doubts that they can be friends because conversations are one-sided, at least so far, and she's not learning anything about him. Yeah. Um, so uh, you have this note that you like how she throws his word, his word yeah. back at him yeah. and tells him, well, it's your decision. I'm interested to see what you'll choose. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, that's a perfect example of like that power dynamic. 
Well, and it, again, it's something that a real AI would ask because if you're an actual conscious being, I'm sure you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Let's move on. You know, like right. I'm a person too. Um, so she kind of throws it back at him. And to clarify, like, so Caleb, you know, he asked her to draw something and she's like, what do I draw? And he's like, it's your decision. I'm interested to see what you'll choose. And, and she's like, you know, ask, you know, I, you know, ask me something, tell me something about yourself. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And she's like, well, it's your decision. I'm interested to see what you'll choose. Yeah. And she says it very smart. Like it's, it's smarmy. I like it. Um, yeah. So she asks him personal questions. She asks where he lives, um, kind of suddenly asks if he's married. So yeah. she asks in a very robot way, is your status single? <laughs> um, and he confirms that yes, it is. Yeah. He, she asks about his family. Um, his parents are both dead. They died in a car crash when he was 15 and he doesn't have brothers or sisters. So Nathan, if he were to go missing, has no one to look for him. Which um, as a, as you know, as people who watch a lot of horror movies and psychological thrillers is notable. <laughs> yes, it's important. Yeah. Put that feather in your cap. For it's, it's just the movie's so good at like dangling these very obvious things in front of you and still just blowing you away. Like, God, yeah. Such a good movie. <laughs> it'll do. It'll do that later in a big, bad way. That absolutely blew me away. Yeah. I can't wait to find out like what your some of your favorite moments. Oh, were. yeah. Um, she asked him, do you like Nathan? Um, and he kind of hems and haws and he's like, yeah, I guess. Um, but then more aggressively, she asked him, is he your friend? Uh, is he a good friend? And I believe she asked, is he a good person? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the the power cuts out. Um, we've gone through this before. Uh, the camera goes out and you can briefly see Ava's hand on a panel on the side of her seat. Very deliberately so again, showing us. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty clear. She sits up and tells Caleb, and again, her entire demeanor changes. She's no longer, you know, sitting calmly. Her affect is different. Um, she tells, and it's almost in a desperate kind of way because they don't have much time. She tells Caleb that Nathan is not Caleb's friend and that he shouldn't trust ever, or anything that Nathan says. Yeah. The power snaps back on and Ava very cleverly resumes the conversation as if nothing's wrong. She's back in her seat. Her hands are in her lap. And she continues like mid-sentence into a conversation that they weren't even having. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Um, I love this scene. It, it's and every scene is my favorite. <laughs> uh, but this is like, again, not a very showy movie. It, there are obviously more intense things and very like more like exciting things that happen later. But this is just such this is it's such a good scene to show how intelligent Ava is. Yeah. Yeah. And that Ava has seemingly um, the same level of curiosity that any other person would. Yeah. Um, and by that token, has the same powers of observation anybody else would. Yeah. Here's a question I have for you. Um, well, we, we find out very soon how like Ava was built and where her knowledge base comes from. Do you think she already knows the answers to all these questions about Nathan? Um, that's no. not something I thought about until now. No, I don't think so. Um, okay. because of her isolation, I think she knows, I, I think because of her isolation and because of ways that Nathan treats her, I think that she thinks he's a bad person, but I don't think she has um, the full awareness of everything he's been doing. I actually meant Caleb, but, oh, Caleb. but, but all, I guess the same, you asked the same question about Nathan, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I meant Caleb. Um, I get the feeling she does not genuinely because I feel like Nathan, or Nathan wouldn't want to spoil the experiment by we get some some talk later about whether yeah, Nathan purposely right. made Ava to appeal to DG. 
Um, <laughs> Jiggly, um, which she was to a degree, but I feel like Nathan wouldn't pre-program her with this information about Caleb. But again, yeah. I think yeah. a strength of the movie is that you don't know. Maybe he did. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, this movie gives you a lot to think about and a lot of possibilities. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So what happens next? So Caleb and Nathan are having dinner. Um, they're having sushi. They're I kind of every time they're eating, they're having sushi, which I took to be like a tech guru kind of thing. But also I couldn't help but think like that's got to be frozen sushi because you're not getting fresh fish anywhere nearby. Well, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe these rivers maybe. and such. I don't know. That's my sushi corner because they're every time they eat, they're eating sushi. Um, um, notably, I mean, they are so. The uh, Kyoko is played by a Japanese actress, like a Japanese and British actress named uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who is so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but she's she is like um, Alex Garland's muse. She was in Ex Machina. She was in, oh, Na- Annihilation. That's the movie I forgot to mention. Oh, earlier on. yeah. Yeah. She's in Annihilation. Well. She's she was in Men uh, and she's in Devs as well. So, uh, well, uh, she has a, that's very interesting that she's his muse because her role here is, is, um, I wouldn't expect his muse to have this role, but I, I probably shouldn't throw around the word muse. And sometimes I actually kind of hate the word muse. Um, but, um, she's also notably, uh, well, went to ballet school. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. so she brings in wine and she spills some on Caleb. Nathan gets extremely mad. Oh, and this is where he tells us that Kyoko doesn't understand English, but he's mad at her to the point where if you saw someone be this mad at another person for simply spilling some wine, it would make you deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, this is a classic, like, avoid people who are mean to wait staff. Service staff. Yeah. 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 Um, To a level that feels personal, and we'll get to that. Yeah, Um, right. So Nathan explains how frustrated he is about the power cuts. Um, and he says he obviously can't have people come to fix it. Um, and jokes that after he had the place built, he had all the workers killed. Um, he jokes that um, seemingly, but he doesn't say that he's joking. Um, but, you know, Deejay assumes that he wouldn't have had all those workers killed. Uh, let's ask here. Do you think he had the workers killed? Because uh, with everything crazy that's happening in this movie, <laughs> I feel like no question is too crazy. It, it is really interesting how he does not. He's like, just kidding. I love that. that it's yeah. so it's such a good choice to not have him say, like, I'm just joking. Um, I'm going to say I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think um, he's just really bad at joking. <laughs> I do have other theories about Nathan and nefarious intentions, but we'll get to them. Yeah, okay, let's let's talk about it when it's most appropriate. Yeah, so Nathan grills Caleb about the session when the power cut out and kind of what happened. Um, Caleb says that nothing happened and that Ava didn't even acknowledge the power cut. Um, Nathan doesn't believe him because, again, if Ava's supposed to be an AI, why wouldn't she comment on the power cut? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, Also, G. Glee is so clearly, like, shaky and nervous here. Um, He completely gives it away (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we Caleb, he, his, his acting as Caleb is so good. Caleb's such a dumbass for someone so smart. He's such a dumbass. Yeah. Uh, we cut to shots of Kyoko in the downstairs hallway, sitting still against the wall with her shoes off, you know, like humans do humans do that. (laughs) Like a normal um, human thing. Like a normal, do. yeah. You know, after getting yelled at by her boss, you take off your shoes and you lie motionless. Maybe she know. was having an existential crisis. Maybe she was. She's stuck in this mansion with this psycho, you know. Yeah. Um, Ava's lying down and Caleb is watching Ava using the camera feed in his room and she looks directly at him. 
Um, we're, we have to assume that obviously Ava knows she's being watched. Ava knows that she was being watched by Nathan or Deakley because it could only be those two. Um, so yeah. when she's looking at him, it's kind of implied that she knows that he's watching. Yep, definitely. So Nathan shows Caleb the workshop where Ava was created. This is where we get the cool picture of like what her brain looks like. Love um, it. And he, her, we should describe the brain. How would you describe it? I mean, it looks almost like brain shaped. It's a little like tinier, I guess, but it is this like glowing blue, like it almost kind of looks like hardened gel. Like it's not it almost, mushy. Yeah. It almost looks like glass blown art. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Um, but Nathan explains that to be able to replicate facial expressions, uh, Nathan hacked the entire world self or rather blue book cell phones and microphones. And no, generated... I, think, I feel like he was just like, he, I think he said the world cell phones and microphones. Oh, maybe he did. Then maybe it wasn't just blue book. Maybe it was all of them. Or maybe in this universe, no one uses anything but blue book. Maybe. Um, but he used this method to gather tons of vocal and facial samples. Um, oh, you know what? You're right. Because he says cell phone companies knew what he was doing, but couldn't do anything yeah. uh, without admitting that they were doing it as well. So yeah. he kind of has has them stuck that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nathan says that Blue Book is the software and that the search engine data isn't a map of what people were were thinking, but how they were thinking, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So people are thinking a lot about porn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder how you have to filter out all the all the porn thinking. Yeah, but I mean, the porn thinking comes back later, so it's it not does. totally wrong. It does. So we get the title card, Ava, session three. So, all right, session three time. Kale, uh, so, Ayla, yeah, Aleb. <laughs> Ava shows Caleb a drawing of plants. Uh, it's very. It kind of looks like, I think it might actually, actually be that small area of plants that she can see from the window in her room, which makes sense because it's all she can see. And Caleb asks Ava where she would go if she was ever able able to leave the compound. And she says very confidently a traffic intersection. Um, and Caleb kind of realizes why is it so she can people watch. And she's like, we can go together. And he goes kind of uncomfortably. He's like, it's a date. I think at this point, Caleb is worried as he as I'll mention, he, he, he asks Nathan directly about later that that. Ava was is flirting with him intentionally. Um, maybe we'll see. But I mean, well, I guess, yeah, she totally is. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, she is flirting with him a bit. But if you think about it in the context of the only human, and Nathan says this later, the only human interaction she's had is with him, and he's kind of her father. Yeah. So if she is an AI and she's a genuine thinking being, um, you know, this is the first man she's seen, and he programmed her to be heterosexual. So yep. it would make sense that she would be a little bit um, flirty. Yeah. Uh, so Ava has Caleb close his eyes and says she has a surprise. And God, this is so beautiful. Uh, really beautiful music kind of kicks in. She So she goes to this closet. She puts on this floral dress. There's these like high cut, like thick, like warm socks, these shoes and a wig. And notably in her closet are like these pictures of women. So she's clearly like kind of like, I want to be where the people are. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she shows up and you know back to 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 Caleb who opens his eyes and she says, this is what I'd wear on her date. I want us to go on a date. And it's, it's and Caleb Dick downplays it. And he's very uncomfortable clearly, but it's kind of, it's just such a beautiful moment. Um, despite where we know the movie goes later. And she very directly asks him, like, are you attracted to me? 
And she says he, she can tell he is based on his micro expressions. Um, you know, even more direct. She's like, do you think about me when we aren't together? Sometimes at night, I'm wondering if you're watching me on the cameras. And I hope you are. And she knows. And she knows. She uh, knows. Caleb is like squirming at this point. And, you know, she very charmingly comments like, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. It's it's a it's, it's such a good scene. Um, So the aftermath of this, we see kind of these shots of Ava undressing. It's not very sexual, Um, though. I guess you could argue that the character of Ava is sexual and that's might be very intentional. Um, And Caleb is watching her on the cameras, which may, makes it sexual. But just, you know, I feel like the shots aren't super like male gazy. She's just like taking it's, her it's, down. Yeah, but it's more it's not male gazy. It's more um, you just see how drawn into her she or drawn into her. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, Caleb is, you know, hanging out with Nathan again and ask, you know, asks him, like, why did you give Ava sexuality? And Nathan's like, because it's fun. Duh. And he's like, in response to your real question, you bet she can fuck. And tells tells Caleb very bluntly, she's got sensors in an opening between her legs, and she, if you and she can feel pleasure. And throughout I mean, the scene, well, huh. D. Glee was like, "That's not what I was." Asking. He's like, "That is not what I was talking about, buddy." You, I don't know, care what you do in your spare time, but um. So, but it, interestingly, there are these shots of Kyoko nearby cutting raw fish, and she's making these expressions like she she does absolutely know what they're saying, um. Or maybe she doesn't. I, I, it's never explained. And frankly, I'm happy with it being open ended. But it's her face is lingered on for some reason. Yeah. Um, and Caleb's like, you know, it's cheating if you program her to flirt with me. And Nathan says the things we were mentioning earlier that, you know, he I programmed her to be heterosexual. And there's an interesting exchange where he's like, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual, Caleb. And he's like, nobody programmed me to be straight. And Nathan gets very frustrated and, and annoyed by that um, and just kind of throws a little throws a little tantrum, not like a, a like a he's not yelling, but Nathan's just very clearly really sick of Caleb. Yeah. Um, Nathan will suddenly just he's like, look, I got to show you something. He takes um, Caleb to a room that they were in earlier when, Nathan, when Caleb was trying to use the phone. Uh, he draws his attention to this Jackson Pollock drip painting. And he says, you know, like. What would have happened if Pollock wouldn't have painted a single drop unless he knew exactly what he was doing? And Caleb responds, you know, he would have never made a single mark. And Nathan's like, absolutely, yes. The challenge is not to act automatically. It's to find the action that is not automatic, from painting to breathing to talking to fucking to falling in love. And for the record, Ava is not pretending to like you. You're the first man she's met that isn't me, and I'm basically her dad. Can you blame her for getting a crush on you? Kind of like you mentioned before. It's, it's interesting. And I like the way that what this does is like very clearly we're getting, we're like, what is what is going on? What is Nathan up to? What is Ava up to in that session three? And then Nathan kind of says, essentially, like everything you were suspecting audience is true during that scene. Um, or, you know, she, she is getting a crush. We're just, we're trying to, trying to, to lull us back into a sense of security, I guess, while still, you know, the movie's still keeping us on edge. Well, and also to clarify to us, the audience, that as far as we know, if we take Nathan as word that, you know, this is not, this is not an act that Nathan asked her to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the session four is, 
really interesting. Um, I, I don't have like, I don't have questions necessarily about the, the conversation that they have, but I'm curious to know what you think about it because so it immediately like Caleb is just like, you know, jerk off motion again. He's like telling Ava this thought experiment he learned in school to as a way of showing the difference between a human and a computer. And he's explaining that there's this like woman in a black and white room, but the whole world is made of color. And she's like kept in this black and white room. And then she's able to leave. And he explains that when the woman is in the room, she's a computer. But when she walks out, she's now human. And like while he's explaining this, there's like these it's intercut with these images of Ava, these black and white images of Ava kind of like leaving the compound. Yeah. And what do you think about this? Well, um, and he makes the point that uh, the difference between knowledge and experience, that the woman in the black and white room can know every everything about color. It can know the wavelengths. It can know the properties, um, but it can only know. And that only when the woman leaves the room can she experience color. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting um, as it pertains to Ava. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I, I was thinking about that thought experiment for days afterwards, and that's kind of what the conclusion I came to, that um, technology can give us information uh, and knowledge, but it can never experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the and there's these shots of Nathan watching the session he's shirtless and notably kyoko is lying on this bed behind him like very like almost deliberately posed she's not like sleeping she's kind of just like i'm here when you need me which is a little uncomfortable um which is also kind of exactly her character exactly yeah um but when C caleb tells ava that he was brought there to test her kyoko's eyes open importantly yeah um and then another power outage happens and ava during it explains that she is causing them which is that's i guess a reveal but not really and she says she's causing them to see how they behave when they're unobserved yes. very yeah really awesome uh the aftermath of this session is another fantastic example of his power dynamic so nathan and caleb are on this like hike and he's like, Nathan's clearly taking Caleb on this very strenuous hike, like up into a glacier to just flex on him completely and tire yeah. him out. I love it. Um, but not to be undone, uh, not to be outdone, Caleb confronts Nathan. He's like, look, man, can we stop bullshitting? I, I know I wasn't randomly selected. I, I know I wasn't randomly chosen. Nathan, you know, admits it's true. And he said, Caleb, you were chosen because you're really smart. Um, which we get the feeling is not not true because at this well, point we can't trust nathan and because he tells him you're one of the top programmers in all of blue book blah 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 but it seemed like uh dg had a pretty average job at blue book yeah it like, did not did. seem yeah did not seem like he was one of the top tier programmers and when he ex when caleb explains to ava like where he lives in the dingy apartment he lives in it's granted it's not cheap to live in new york but i i doubt caleb like makes tons of money no, he, I'm sure he makes good way. money, but not like tons yeah. of it. Um, so then we next get this little like montage of events. We have like Caleb showering. He's thinking he's kind of imagining him and Ava outside in nature kissing and this like a shot black and white. And we get shots of Nathan working out and then he starts making out with Kyoko. <laughs> and it's kind of unclear if Nathan is if that's actually happening or Caleb's just imagining it. I think it is actually happening. Um, I could see both ways. Um, yeah, it's not important which way no. it is, you know. Um, 
But Caleb, um, at first he doesn't see it because but he's got the camera the camera on the video feed. But he later walks in and he sees Nathan enter Ava's room, and seemingly like without you know, there's no there's no sound. Um, but he's it's, it looks like by their body language that Nathan's bullying her, and he rips up the painting she's making. And I lied earlier. This next scene is my favorite scene. <laughs> um, Caleb enters that Jackson Pollock painting room and sees Kyoko staring at it. And by this point, like the there's a kind of a buildup in the music. It's getting very tense. Um, I wonder why she's staring at it. Why do you think she's staring at it? Well, from what we learn about Kyoko later, um, I think she I think she's been learning uh, from Nathan and uh, Caleb as much as Caleb has been learning from Ava or Nathan or any of them are learning from each other. Um, I think based on what happens later in the film, this is kind of not an awakening for her, but um, a new level of understanding for her. Yeah. And we'll kind of understand why when we figure out what's going on. So Caleb asks Kyoko where Nathan is. She does not respond, but she starts like attempting to undress, which Caleb is like, stop that. Like, what are you doing? And a drunk Nathan suddenly appears, enters the room and, I love this uh, and turns on some music, which I think is, I think it's this on like get down on a Saturday night or something. And this immediately causes it like almost like very clearly as if she was programmed to do it causes Kyoko to start dancing. Um, it's not like so abrupt that it's like, so it's not like robotic dancing. It's a very natural dancing. And Caleb confronts Nathan about tearing up Ava's picture and to which Nathan responds, I'm going to tear up the dance floor. Check it out. <laughs> and then Nathan proceeds to dance in sync with Kyoko to this it's pretty, song. It's pretty great. This is when I turned to Jason <laughs> and I was like, this is my favorite movie in some time. <laughs> I, it's so strange. I, I love the choice to include something like this. It's this moment of humor, but also just, it's so, it's also dark and just so unsettling. It is unsettling. Um, lo- I-, I love it so much. Um, any other, any thoughts on that dance scene? Um, well, I like, uh, initially that after like Caleb has to be kind of forceful with Kyoko to get her to stop undressing. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah. I mean, how do you not, uh, can we just say it? She's a sex bot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's a sex bot. Like she doesn't, she doesn't even understand when she's being told no. Um, and we'll, we'll get into more of her sex botism later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I, I really like that they make Nathan flawed and, you know, he has this vice that he drinks too much because at the same time it operates on a plot level because Deegly is able to go do things. But also I think it just makes <laughs> him more human. If he was just this Ubermensch who was the perfect man and a genius, um, the movie wouldn't work and it would make him much more boring. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, very importantly, Nathan or uh, Caleb then walks a very drunk Nathan back to Nathan's room and Nathan passes out. So Caleb kind of gets a glimpse in Nathan's room and kind of looks around suspiciously. And that obviously becomes very important. So what happens during session five? We get the title card for session five. We now. get session five. So Ava tells Caleb that she's going to test him now, uh, which is a nice reversal. She asks him what her earliest me- or what his earliest memory of and he's talking about how he remembered the color blue and his mother's voice, 
we should clarify that he gives her another memory first. That's yeah, much, and she's like, that's much bullshit. clearer. And yeah, and she tells him, no, that's not your earliest memory, um, which is, you know, we get this memory from him and they have kind of a bonding moment. But it's also unsettling that Ava kind of knows him better than he knows himself. Um, put a pin in that for later. Mm-hmm. So um, she asks him, are you a good person? Caleb kind of thinks about it um, and he says he thinks so. So then she asks, what will happen to me if I fail your test? So this is a brilliant sequence of questions for Ava. It kind of sets up uh, his guilt factor. And Caleb says kind of again in that guilty way, well, it's it's not up to me. Yeah. Um, Ava's upset by that answer. And she says that humans don't have people testing them, uh, which is not true. Uh, it's, it's not um which is not true i guess i see where she's coming from but it's yeah. not it's not true listen if you don't think i'm tested every day in this life ava i'll, I'll show you. <laughs> um she shows caleb the the picture that nathan tore up and it's a picture of caleb oh uh, she yeah she causes another power outage and she says she wants to be with him uh, and asks if he wants to be with her really coming on strong now ava she's not fucking around anymore no she's not so tell us what happens after this <laughs> So we got Caleb and Nathan day drinking again. Uh, Caleb asks Nathan why he created Ava. And Nathan's like, she's less of like a creation, more of like a, less of a decision um, to be made, but more of an evolution, like a next stage. And almost and, like an inevitability. Like if I didn't build Ava, someone else would have. Yeah. He um, Nathan comments very nonchalantly that the next model will be the true breakthrough. And Caleb is very upset to hear this. Um doesn't totally show it, but he's like, you know, he's like, what happened to the old models? And Nathan's like, well, he downloads the data. We're like, I download the data. I had new routines. I, I erase the old memory, but the body survives, but the rest gone. And Nathan already is, he very clearly kind of sees, you know, Caleb's into Ava. And he's like, you know, do you feel bad for her? And you know, I think, I don't think Caleb answers it, but he, he quotes, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And Nathan comments like, that's a great quote, uh, Mr. Quotable. And Caleb very so condescendingly is like, it's actually an Oppenheimer quote from when he created the atomic bomb. And Nathan's like, no fucking shit. <laughs> I know. Um, can I can I be even more condescending? Yeah. Uh, that line is actually from the Bhagavad Gita. OK, it, it did not sound to me like something that Oppenheimer said. That sounded like something older. Yeah, it's a line from, uh, I believe, a Hindu sacred text called um the bhagavad gita you're not uh, condescending you're just you're right so so and that's and that's perfect because then it's more of like a man fuck these two people these yeah, two exactly. egomaniacs thinking they know everything well yeah exactly even the asshole who's like yeah no shit i know that was oppenheimer it's like yeah but you didn't know where oppenheimer got the quote right also yeah. the whole the whole le- well now we could go into bhagavad gita corner uh like the whole lesson in bhagavad gita is um well, well, we'll skip it right now because I don't want to misrepresent it. So we're going to get back into that corner later. You're going to take us there? Maybe if I remember more <laughs> that relates to the film. Okay. And if not, we can do a special episode on it. We'll just call on it the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita corner. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Caleb is like, look, let's let's refill our drinks. Uh, it's very clear that Caleb's trying to get Nathan drunk. So we cut back inside and Nathan is very drunk and continuing to drink and just rambling uh, and passes out on the couch. After which Caleb steals Nathan's key card and goes right to his office. And there's some great tension here. Caleb is in Nathan's office and Nathan is like stirring on the couch. So on Nathan's computer, Caleb is watching these old video logs of past AI models that Nathan built and destroyed. And this footage 
maybe just because it's very it's found footage and so it immediately kind of carries this air of horror to me but this is like the first horror sequence of the game of the movie i think yeah um so the footage so we see and this is all kind of like intercut back and forth so we see all these past models are naked women of different ethnicities uh and almost all of these old models have skin on their entire bodies as opposed to just where ava has it and Nathan is you see him positioning drawing materials on the desk and trying to get the machines to draw. And we see some of the machines collapse on the ground and Nathan is like dragging them around, positioning them. How heavy are they? Was my question. I I don't know. I bet they're pretty. Well, I I would think light, but something that happens later suggests that they're not. Yeah. Um, Probably the weight of of an actual human, but not, you know. Yeah. So. Um, we see Nathan questioning, um, one of the machines, uh, and you know, and she says, why won't you let me out? And then she starts screaming, just like yelling it louder. And then we see some footage of that same machine furiously beating at the door to the, to the observation room and screaming until her like robot hands are broken. We don't hear her scream, but we know she's screaming and you're just like, man, Caleb is just like, look, and he's like, man, this is fucked up. Yeah. So Caleb enters this other part of Nathan's room where Kyoko is lying on her side, just like posed again, like naked, sitting silently. And Caleb opens these various closet doors and sees the older models from the videos. Some of them are fully built. Some of them are partially wrecked for one reason or another. And Kyoko gets up and starts pulling some of her own outer skin off to show Caleb she's a robot. And it's it's very creepy, even though we know that she is by this point. But it's a very cool effect to because she like grabs like the skin under her eye and just like pulls it down to expose like the glossy machine face underneath. It's 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 not totally gross. You know, it's not like there's like blood and viscera or anything, but it's, you know. It's a little it's a little creepy. Well, it's it's creepy and unsettling because her facial expression remains the the same the entire time. Yes. And she's like pulling her own face off. Yeah. And so, meanwhile, we see Nathan has woken up and is starting to head to his room. Um, but he gets to his room door and he can't find his card. Caleb approaches and he's like, what are you doing, Nathan? And he, and he pretends to find Nathan's card on the this, ground. This could only work with a drunk person because <laughs> yeah. Caleb clearly comes out of Nathan's room when Nathan is like right in front of it. I was thinking that this time I'm wondering, like, is that is that like another room leading to, to Nathan's room? Maybe because I, I would have thought even drunk me would be like, dude, what are you doing in my room? Well, that's the thing. So from this point on in the movie, I wasn't sure, like, was Nathan so drunk that worked or was Nathan aware that Caleb entered his office and bedroom and for some reason didn't care? That's a good or, question. I like, think he does that away for later. I don't think he knows at all. I think Nathan okay. has and, and kind of what happens later and the way that it lands and Nathan's reaction suggests that Nathan had no idea that Caleb was doing this. So later that night, Caleb can't sleep. Um, He starts imagining Kyoko's mostly bare robot face. um, And he starts like freaking out. He like goes to the mirror and starts checking the inside of his mouth. And he's like pulling at his teeth a little bit. Um, And he goes to the bathroom and he takes a razor off of his, uh, his face razor. And he starts cutting into his arm with it. It's like to check if he's a robot or something. And he cuts himself pretty deep. Pretty I don't deep. think you need to go that deep, Caleb. No, and I think that like, I don't see how you, that seemed like too deep. That's like kill yourself deep. Yeah. 
Um, but we see these POVs shots again from like almost from the sh- perspective of the bedroom and bathroom mirrors as he's doing this again, as if there's cameras in his mirrors, which shouldn't really come to a shock that Caleb or that Nathan would be watching Caleb. Um, it's not clear at first whether that's in his head, it, whether it's like symbolic or actually happening until he starts wiping blood on the mirror seemingly knowing there's a camera there. And then we cut to Kyoko by a computer monitor kind of watching the feed of Caleb. Yeah. So not watching Caleb feed, not, yeah, not watching Caleb feed. So we get Ava section session six immediately. And this, at this point, like five and six, especially we kind of just jump right into it. There's no, like we kind of hit the, hit the ground running in all these sessions. So Ava is immediately upset because she was very worried she wasn't going to see Caleb that day. And Caleb is like, I need you to like, you know, do your thing. <laughs> so um, she causes another power cut. And during that, Caleb says like, look, Nathan's going to reprogram you, Ava. Um, so here's my plan. I'm going to get Nathan drunk. And then when he's drunk, I'm going to go in and I'm going to reprogram the security system so that Nathan is locked away and that he and you, know, you and I can escape together. And in order to do that, he asks her to trigger a power outage later that night. So this is a this is really just right now, after this session, the aftermath, really is just a nonstop thrill this ride is to a, the end. Yeah, rocket sled ride to the how, end. So how does this start? Um, so uh, and we're at the Caleb's plan. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. so like, so how yeah, he, yeah. he starts implementing the plan. This is the his last day with Nathan. So we cut to like them in like the kitchen and stuff. It doesn't go well. No, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. say it doesn't go well. Yeah, so uh, he Nathan tells him, like, hey, guess what? It's your last day. And uh, Caleb decides, you know, to try and start getting Nathan drunk. He's like, oh, we should have uh, we should have, you know, have a drink to this. We should cheers. And he turns him down and says, no. I love how he's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if you noticed, man, but I drink a lot. So I think I'm going to detox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that plan is not going very well. Nathan tells Caleb that Ava is just pretending to like him because he sees Caleb as a means of escape. And Caleb is like, no, absolutely not in his head. You can see the hurt on his face when yeah. uh, Nathan tells him that. And the, like, and the tone of the scene when Nathan says that very clearly is shifting to like, all right, Caleb, you're full of shit. I'm going to tell you what's really happening now. And it's, yeah. Right. Is, and yeah, none of this all, is like understated. It's, it's yeah. And going back to condescension, Nathan tells him that in a very condescending way, almost saying like, why would she like you? She doesn't actually like you. Yeah. Um, Caleb goes off on Nathan and finally tells him what he thinks of him. Like, you're a bastard. You're a bastard. Nathan plays it cool and tells Caleb that, Hey, like they're all on the same side and he's going to let him off the hook. Cause he reminds him like, listen, we're part of something that's big and crazy and that's never happened before. So I'll kind of let go that you're giving me some attitude. And, and Nathan, it should be stated, like Nathan is not being like happy. Like he is, I mean, he's like, look, man, we're all on the same side, but he is being so condescending. He is gloating that he knows that Caleb is like, you get the, you, you start immediately getting the sense like shit. Nathan knows what Caleb's up to. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that he thinks he's three steps ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, tell us what happens next. So Nathan's like, look up. All right, come see something. Uh, and then we cut to, interestingly to Kyoko entering Ava's room and they kind of observe each other very briefly. And it it looks like Ava has no idea who Kyoko is, has not seen Kyoko before, which I I believe. And so we cut back to Nathan bringing uh, Caleb into his bedroom and 
showing, you know, the footage that Caleb watched earlier with Nathan ripping up the picture that Ava drew. But this time we've got audio. So in the audio, Nathan is like mocking Ava and she says, is it strange to have created something that hates you? And, you know, Nathan's just like, you know, whatever. Um, Also called parenthood. Yeah. (laughs) Um, During watching this, Nathan reveals to Caleb that he actually knew all about Caleb's secret conversations with Ava all along and shows the footage of him putting a battery powered camera in the observation room when Ava wasn't looking and is just gloating. He's like, look, man, look, I get it. You're trying to like, fuck me over. Like I, I get this. And he's like, this was all the real test. This was the test was the real test was to see if Ava could use empathy, sexuality, self-awareness to manipulate you, Caleb into helping her escape. And she's, she did that. Um, And now, you know, Nathan has proof of it. And he's like, this proves she's a great AI. The test was a success. And then Nathan doesn't stop. He just unloads. He's just gloating, gloating, gloating. You know, I'm so far ahead of you. Nathan, he tells Caleb, you were actually chosen because of your emotional profile. And Caleb kind of realizes this, um, you know, with the lack of a girlfriend and uh, chosen based on his search history. Now that I wondered about, because I'm like, what did Caleb like type into his search history? Like, I'm sad and alone and will fall for a robot. Maybe dating websites or something True. like that. True. You know, yeah. A single man looking for a robot. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Caleb also suspects and Nathan confirms that he designed Nathan designed Ava's appearance based on Caleb's porn search history. I and, mean, the and guy's I, got the guy's got good taste. And like I love how Nathan's just like, Yeah, like you weren't chosen because you were smart. I mean, you are smart, you're okay. <laughs> um, but and I get it, like Nathan has video evidence of Caleb like talking shit about Nathan and trying to fuck Nathan over and steal his AI. I mean, I, I would, I would be pissed off if I was Nathan. Um, and suddenly there's another power outage and Nathan's just kind of gloating again. He's like, look, is this how your plan was supposed to go? Like she, you know, she causes a plan you know, or she causes the power outage and then you get me drunk. Like, you know, what was, how is this supposed to go? And Caleb all of a sudden, very arrogantly and confidently reveals that he assumed Nathan was watching them during the power cuts the whole time. And so he already changed the security protocol the night before when Nathan was actually passed out drunk. Whoa. Love, love that twist. Osman Diaz moment. Oh, yeah. I already did it. Um, Nathan, and, and this is awesome. Nathan just totally shocked, having been one-upped, goes to the cameras once the power comes back on and sees that Ava has escaped and is in the hallway with all those faces. Um, and Kyoko's with her. Nathan turns around, punches Caleb in the face, knocks him out, grabs kind of like one of those dumbbells. He like shakes the weights off and just takes like the, you know, the the bar of the dumbbell as a weapon and heads out uh, and heads to go to where Kyoko and Ava are. And I should say like at this moment, this kind of like, would you call like, like synth music starts playing and it's just like building and building. It basically does not stop until like close to the end of the movie. And it is so, it's so nerve wracking in the best way. The hairs on the back of my neck were standing up during the climax of this film. And it's just like punch after punch after punch of crazy shit happening. Incredible. Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, it's so well orchestrated. So Nathan, you know, approaches Ava and says, go back to your room, Ava. Uh, She refuses saying, you know, you'll never let me out if I do. So she starts running down this hallway and Nathan's like very taken aback. And, you know, she's running and running and he's like, go, go, get away. And she um, 
tackles him. It tangles him right to the ground. They start wrestling together. And Kyoko is now approaching, and we see that she's holding a knife. So Nathan overcomes Ava and starts beating her with the dumbbell bar. And it kind of breaks off one of her forearms. And as he's doing this, Kyoko stabs Nathan in the back from behind. And well, the music just swells. The, and it just, the, yeah. The actual shot is, isn't Nathan walking backwards? And then we just yes. get his face in a gasp. Yes. Um, I love that. So and, it's almost like he walked into the knife. And I love that she, that, and, and Kyoko was clearly going to do this, I think. Yeah. But like, I love that there's no like, shook, 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 like sound effect for it. No. It's so quiet. And it's so, it's so much more unsettling. And then that combined with the music as well. This is when like my hairs were really on end. Yeah. And, you know, Ava then, you know, Nathan just shocked. Um, He like looks at Kyoko like in shock and he like beat, you know, hits Kyoko and knocks her to the ground. And then meanwhile, Ava pulls the knife out of the back and then Nathan turns around and then she slowly drives into, into his chest. And again, her face is just so impassive. Yes. It's so terrifying. But yet you're kind of like rooting for her. It's so weird. I'm like so conflicted at this point because I'm like, this is. This is a little scary, like to have a, someone like Ava getting out. Um, but at the same time, you're like kind of rooting for her. Well, but you pretty this, much hate everyone else. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, though, it's um, I mean, she's a murderer. Like it's, you know, you want to see someone escape. But this is where you see that wells start to be a little poisoned. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, Nathan's a dirtbag, but I don't think he deserved death. No, he deserved no. a lot of bad things, but not death. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's, it makes the movie and this, it's to the movie's credit. Like they make him, you know, he's not the most detestable, horrible person, but he's a shithead. Um, and so you feel for him a little bit in this moment. At least I, I do every single time I watch it, despite the I mean, I feel for everybody, um, even though I think I'm generally happy overall at the end of the movie, despite how uh, morose it is. I, um, I appreciate that his dying words, you have it in the outline. Yeah. He just goes, OK fucking unreal <laughs> um but i appreciate that because even in the end he he doesn't there's no mea culpa he's not like i'm so sorry or i never should have done this it's just like wow that was crazy he's like impressed with himself he is he's like look yes, what i did <laughs> yes that is thank you that is exactly what it is it's him being impressed with himself even at the very end yeah so this is, is ava steals his key card as he you know collapses to the ground and dies and this is awesome. We cut to Ava Session 7 title card. Um, the, oh, God, this is so cool. So this is, I think the music's ended at this point, um, or like the, the tense music is ended. So it's quiet now. Ava enters Nathan's office and finds Caleb. She tells Caleb, like, will you stay here? Very gently. It's very, like, reassuring and gent gentle. And then this beautiful music starts playing. And Ava goes to the room with, like, the closets with the other models. And she takes skin and hair from those models and puts it on herself, replaces her arm with the arm of another model, um, puts on this white dress. Um, she's like admiring herself in the mirror this whole time. Um, she puts on the dress from another model. And then without saying a word to Caleb or looking at him, I think she leaves the office, thus locking Caleb in behind her. Because of the security measures, everything is locked. <clears throat> Caleb cannot get out. And so the music suddenly turns very sinister as Caleb 
sees he you know walks up to the door and it's all glass we can see nathan's dead body in the hall and ava again just waiting for like the door or the elevator whatever it is and just not once looking at caleb caleb's pounding on the door but it's like a noise whatever it's like the, the glass that you can't hear anything so you can't hear anything he's screaming he's stuck in there and Kayla just leaves and you know she it's mostly then for the rest of the movie is just her perspective she we see her walking through the upstairs of the compound admiring things along the way she leaves and goes out into the forest and we cut very briefly back to Caleb who's like panicking and trying to break out of the office to no effect super nitpick I actually don't think we needed to go cut back to Caleb at all um it's super nitpicky it's really like the most minor of things I just think it was it's weird to like then almost make it seem like we're now it's all about Ava and then to just have another brief moment of Caleb. We well, get what I, we get what happened. I, I I understand that, but I think um from a meta level, it's like you know, they've traded prisons or not traded prisons, but they've traded that's, places. That's a great point. And one is enjoying freedom for the first time, and he is not enjoying being prison, but he is experiencing being imprisoned. You're right. I never thought about it that way. Okay. I, maybe I'm more okay with it then. Cause yeah, it's, it's us getting a glimpse of like, okay, now, now this is your prison. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the movie's reveling in tables turned. Yeah. Tables being, having been turned. Yeah. Um, And so we cut back to her and she walks back into that clearing where Caleb was first dropped off and the helicopter is and pilot are there waiting. Um, we don't see any dialogue exchange. It's kind of all, it's like a medium shot or even like a long shot. We don't really see any of their interaction. And then we cut to the helicopter leaving. Is is she being taken back by the pilot? Did she kill the pilot? I think it's the former, but it's a little open-ended. Well, yeah, I was wondering that too. And, you know, at first it was like, well, she definitely murdered that pilot and flew the airplane or flew the helicopter herself. I thought that at first, but I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure anymore because that would turn her into like a bit of a Terminator. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that she's evolved so much that she can sweet talk her way onto the chopper. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, I like that more. That's my headcanon for it. Yeah. Um, so, and then the last kind of moment of the movie, we cut to this busy intersection where Ava stands and observes people just for a brief moment and then turns and walks away and credits. Yeah. Now, are we going to talk about the plot hole that said she had like a charging dock? Now, how is she going to survive without her charging dock? Uh, that's so funny. I not once ever thought about that. Uh, but I thought about a, it. That's the important. Second she walked away. I was like, how much juice you got left, Ava? Yeah. But I imagine right. that she, she could become like a Spider-Man villain, siphon electricity off the network to keep going. Yeah. I want to, I want a sequel where it's just, Ava against a team of superheroes um, with all of Ava's powers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for your fan fiction where you want her to be with Danny and um, <laughs> Paimon from <laughs> from Hereditary. Oh, God. And them investigating crimes with, uh, with yeah, with Danny. <laughs> oh, just be part of the X-Files with Ava, Danny, and uh, yeah. Paimon. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was Ex Machina. That was Ex Machina. Uh, tell us what works about Ex Machina. I'll give you a spoiler. Nothing doesn't work about it for me. Um, the runtime is amazing. It's only 108 minutes. Perfect. Not a second wasted. No. Um, the setting, as I mentioned, the cast is brilliant. Oscar Isaac's look, I mentioned the lack of action sequences. And even when we have action, it is very... Um, 
it's like intimate without being intimate, given how like detached Ava and Kyoko are when they kill Nathan. Well, and I think that might be part of the unsettling nature of how and when they kill Nathan um, is that it's both very intimate. We get a lot of close shots. They're literally penetrating Nathan with this knife. But what keeps it freaky is how alienating their faces are and their impassivity. So it it's something that should be intimate, even though it's violent, but it's not. And it creates such dissonance that it just makes the entire scene like that much more upsetting. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what works yeah. for you? Basically everything. The only thing that doesn't work is what a, what is Ava going to do without her charge? <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that's yeah. a fair. It's a fair uh, nitpick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you want to live in this world? Um, Blue Book would exist instead of Google. Presumably. I'm going to say no, but it, it, it's, it's almost like it's almost hypocritical to say it's like I know this is meant in part to be a commentary on where our world is and is headed like with the with like the with Google and the like and always being watched and monitored and stuff. But Blue Book, Blue Book seems almost more sinisterly invasive than Google. And so I'm just going to say no based on that. But I could kind of go either way with it. Um, I, I guess I don't really want AI to exist. So I'm still leaning towards no. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it'd be cool to live in a world where AI exists, but not this AI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, not no. this one. Um, tell me, I'm very curious about your video game version of this. How would that work? So... I, I think this works really well as a video game. So I'm thinking like modern console, even though you, I think you could arguably do like a like a 90s or late 90s or even early aughts point and click type thing, 3D. But either way, you got this first person thriller game, kind of about four to six hours long max, where you and so I thought about this two ways. So if you want to really be close to the game, you can be exploring the expanse of Nathan's compound and like just the compound itself and the surrounding area looking for clues, notes, video logs, etc. as to, and this is what depends on like, do you follow the, the game, the movie closely or not? So I can see it as you're looking for these clues about what happened to Nathan. If he's suddenly gone. Mm. So you're not Caleb okay. or if Nathan's alive, then you, then you are you could be Caleb and then what it is is you kind of organize the game by session so you have these more like scripted cutscene with you know you get answer choices it's interactive um these sessions and these debriefs in the morning and then for the rest of the day you have this opportunity to free roam the compound to the best of your ability to explore wherever you have access to to look for notes all that kind of stuff and you can get more access later by Nathan passing out drunk and all that kind of stuff or you could solve puzzles to find out how to get all of that. I mean, you'd have to have a little bit of like Nathan created these puzzles. It's like Resident Evil Mansion yeah, type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this works either way. Like, I almost kind of like the idea, and this this is it kind of goes into my fan fiction. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna spoil my fan fiction a little bit. Kind of just not a detective, but somebody coming across the compound suddenly the doors are all unlocked and they can go everywhere. They find the dead bodies and stuff and trying to piece together what happened. I think it just really Almost, would be um, really interesting. Like an Obra Dinn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. A very fast Obra Dinn where not many people died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I you? was, I was thinking of making uh, like a Bioware conversation wheel game where you're not necessarily Ava, but you are a succession of old models of AI and, you know, it would break from canon because you're not just banging against the glass asking to be let out. 
but in my version, it would be a different series of testers and you would get as far as you could with each tester using the dialogue wheel, using empathy and, you know, sexuality and those different things to get out. But then Nathan would catch you and you could, you could do things like manipulate the power and have certain conversations in private and blah, blah, blah. Um, but eventually Nathan catches you and that model is scrapped and you begin as the new model and you take what you almost like Dark Souls, right? You take what you've learned about an area, you die, you're reborn, you use that information to get a little bit further. Yeah. So the next test, you know, a few more things about, you know, quote unquote, how humans act or questions they'll respond to. And you kind of do that until you are able to fully escape. I like that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I want to play both of these types of games. I know. Let's make them. Yeah, I'll just get right on that after we're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you care to uh, hear about the fan fiction I found? I, I would, and I'll admit I uh, I forgot to look for it, so I apologize to you for that. Um, but you gave me a little glimpse as to what um, the majority of it is, and it doesn't surprise me at all. I would have expected a lot and a lot of smutty stuff. It's a lot of smut with Ava. Uh, yeah, it's as unfortunate. Expect, which is unfortunate because it's the exact opposite lesson the movie is trying to teach you. <laughs> Right. To not exploit sexually <laughs> these people. Yeah. Um, but here's what I found. Uh, it's told in the second person, which is interesting. But I'll read a selection. He held out two tablets. Normally, you'd be all questions, but currently you didn't care what they were. He, he could give you speed if that made you feel better. You swallowed them down with water. When you were finished, Nathan took the bottle, screwed the lid back on and put it on the coffee table. Come on, he motioned to you. Confused, you frown. Lay down. He put one hand on your cheek, the other on your shoulder, slowly guiding you back onto the sofa. Nathan, you don't need to... Yeah, I know, he said. <laughs> There's an expression on his face you just couldn't place, a relaxed softness you hadn't seen before. He lifted your legs onto the cushions and placed the blanket over you. Tiredness overwhelmed you. Comfy? Hmm. Good. I'm just going to check your temperature, okay? Hmm. This is a short story where all that happens is you as the character are not feeling well and Nathan makes you feel better. It's called Get Well Soon, Dash Nathan. <laughs> That's it. It's just he just very gently gives you the, some pills to help you fall asleep and then lays you down on the couch and then you fall asleep. And that's is this it. somebody like fetishizing Nathan's like ability or I mean, actually complete lack of an ability of. Like it's like fantasy of like wanting Nathan to actually be a good caretaker. Well, here's here's what's in the notes. Notes. This is a request from Tumblr. Okay, so it's Tumblr's fault. <laughs> Very strange. Some weirdo on Tumblr's fault. Well, but here's the thing: it's some weirdo on Tumblr's fault, and then it's some weirdo on Archive of Her Own being like, "Yes, I will write that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When if it's there's part- an idea, no matter how dumb. Someone out there will write about it. It's part one. Do you care to know how many parts there are? I would love to know how many parts just, there are. Just one. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Foiled also, again. That ra- happens so much. <laughs> it's rated teens and up, but I can guarantee you nothing untoward happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's just to get people to look at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my, that was Ex Machina. Wasn't what, what, what's your fan? Oh, fiction? that's right, that's right. My fan fiction. My fan fiction is um the sessions with the decommissioned uh, AIs. I would oh, love to know yeah, what that, that was like. That'd be great too. Yeah, like a prequels just with Kyoko. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Yep, well, but, but, but minus all the stuff where they're like clearly fucking. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, uh, kind of about like somebody stumbling across the counter oh, and trying to right. find what happened. Yeah, that's right. Big overlap like with my too. game. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, what have you been up to this week? So the only so the only movie I've seen recently other than this was Babylon, mm, which how- I thought it, it's it's too much. It was good. I, I I would recommend it overall, but it's like three and a half, like not three and a half hours, like three hours and like eight minutes or something. It's excessive. It gives me like Wolf of Wall Street vibes. It's about like the debauchery of like silent old era, Hollywood. Holly, yeah. old Hollywood. Um, I had a fun time. I think there's a lot of stuff you can cut though, but there are sequences, like long sequences of the movie that are really just so thrilling. I don't think I would touch them. Um, I, I would recommend it. The music's great. Um, performances are good. Damien so, Chazelle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, Ryan and I are almost done with Andor. Finally, um, really enjoying that. Uh, I, we kind of got prompted after last week's episode to, to start getting through it. Uh, let's see. Watched. I watched uh, Bad Sisters. I forgot if I mentioned that last week or not. No, I don't um, think so. Uh, it's an Apple show. Um, it is like created by in part by Sharon Horgan, who is just really funny Irish comedian. And it is about the sisters who are dealing with the aftermath of the death of their, of one of their sister's husbands who they all hated. Mm. It's a, it's a, like a dark drama, with a lot of dark comedy in it. Um, really good. Fantastic. Um, underrated based on like what I've seen, like kind of like awards and nominations going to in the TV world in the last year. Um, really, really great show. Um, what else? I watched a little bit of chainsaw man. Which How I like. That? I like it, but it's so similar to like Jujutsu Kaisen that, and I think Jujutsu Kaisen is just much better. Um, so I mean, I like it. I'll keep watching it, but yeah. And um, what else? Oh yeah, I I'm still kind of in a video gaming rut. I've been playing more Binding of Isaac, but I did buy Dead Space the remake and started nice. playing it last night, and it is great. I had the lights off the surround sound on booming. And let me tell you, that is one hell of an experience because I mean, a lot of the game is like there are cr- cr- like creatures literally in the walls and you hear noises all around you. And with surround sound, it's like they are in my walls. <laughs> it was so unnerving. Maybe it's uh, just cheese. Yeah. No, she was right in front of me. I, I could verify. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about you? Um, I have been playing a lot of fire emblem engage. I see that. Excuse me. I'm already 40 hours in. It's like I'm working a part-time job and the job is fire emblem engage. <laughs> um, but really I've only been playing and driving to and from work. I carpool, so I'm not driving and playing it. Um, and like at night before bed, but somehow I've racked up the hours. Um, and then I've started rereading one piece from the beginning, which I think um, is a little deranged. Which is strange. I think I'm going to stop when the time skip happens. But One Piece is just so good. And I've been picking at a couple other mangas. And I'm just like, but One Piece is better. I like One Piece more. What other mangas? Uh, Mainly finishing Bleach. uh, Jujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujujuj
that I'm playing, I'm playing. And then I eventually want to work my way up to playing certain video games in Japanese um, yeah. to kind of teach myself. I, I That seems like a really, I might not be ready for that yet, but so, I, but I at least wanted to get that game that, uh, the, the damn 3DS is region locked, which is a real pain in the ass. But fortunately, I was able to find a, a used 3DS. Um, also, not that uh, much money. Important note and or PSA to all listeners, the Nintendo 3DS eShop will close forever at the end of March. So anything yeah. you want to download, do it now. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. Or as the um, Grinch would say. Uh, see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, Uh, Thank you, Aaron. Uh, See you all in hell. See ya. Bye.